All right, let's go. Let's go. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome to the latest episode of the Heat Locker. The Heat Locker in Starbucks. This is uh, this is episode twenty-two. Episode wow. twenty-two. So you came on episode nine, and you've been on episode fifteen, I think, and now twenty-two. So you did a lot here so far, right? We've done. This is the fourth. So I did Fernando. Fernando. I did Al, and then yesterday I did um, Frank and Eric. Frank and Eric, my Jewish friends, and now Jason Rao. We were supposed to have JC today, which was, but the the man had to be other places. Yes. So we're in Starbucks in Levittown. Is that Levittown? Yep, Levittown. So the background music you can hear, guys. That's just Starbucks. They unfortunately won't turn it off for us, the rude pricks. But we're gonna have to deal with that. But uh, I thought it'd be nice to do it somewhere different than just the yeah, academy. Yeah, definitely. Welcome, Jason. Thanks for having me, Luke. What's new? Same old. Training's good. It's good having you here. We've been um, we've been talking for the last week and a half, so we kind of run out of stuff to talk. We should we should have done this earlier, so we could have yeah, been like, right? like two old buddies coming together. <laughs> Maybe if we just sit here awkwardly just for an hour or so, anything, yeah. I think that'd be good. They'll gain some viewership. So last time we spoke. You um you were coming off knee injury actually yeah that's all good now yeah it's good it's been uh eleven months so today's the what the third fourth so I had it March sixth two thousand nineteen so you know it's just about eleven months yeah mm. so feeling good yeah feeling you know pretty close to one hundred percent it's nice you've been murdering me on the mats like always I'm trying yeah I know well it feels like you're not trying <laughs> but I uh, you know I had this conversation with a lot of the other guys that I come across at Henzo's and, and, and here at Sarah's and just to kind of build my own um, ego back up again. You know, I try to draw out of them how much you beat them up and everyone universally says that you beat them up the most of everybody. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, that's something to be proud of, isn't it? glad to hear that. I don't know. There's not too many other guys universally at such a high-level gym that uh, say that. I think other than Gordon, you're the guy that just murders everybody. JC's up there too. JC is very good. He's very good. I think people maybe underestimate him because yeah, he's a small so. he's a small dude. Jesus Christ. I mean he's uh, gotta be 150, 155 pounds. So. He's like I think he's I think he's like four foot three. <laughs> I don't know if he's ever been on a roller coaster. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. JC, I love you, mate, if you listen to this, so that's not meant to be. Any- size, guys size three foot. Well maybe it's cheaper because you can shop in the kids section. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. This coffee is horrendous. Is this the small size? This is the small. This, this is a grande. So this is the small. So no, this is the medium. All right. Medium. So so Starbucks don't. For some reason, they couldn't just do small, medium, large. It had to be. What is it? What what are their sizes? It's a tall, grande, venti, and then a trenta, which is, I guess, a thirty ounce. You know that makes no sense to anybody else. Well, I, I think the last two make sense. So venti is twenty, trenta is thirty. Then the tall is, is this Mexican? What, what language is this? <laughs> it's Mexican. It is Mexican. <laughs> it's Mexican. What's funny is Jason Rouse set himself up facing the door so that he can monitor his, uh, how much, how obnoxious we're being. And we have a we have a you know a secret symbol or secret tell a code when someone of uh, any race really comes at, in the door. This city comes in, and that's going to let Luke know that we can't you know say certain things that we're not supposed to say. Mm around those certain people it's very difficult here in america i find you guys are very sensitive and i've talked to my guests the last few days about this and um 
I absolutely love America. God bless. Very sensitive. God bless here. America. God bless America. But you guys are getting a bit silly with some of this We're stuff. So the lefties are starting to take over the whole place. So the way I think about it is if I say, what do you guys, Aboriginals? Aboriginals? We've got it? Aboriginals back home, yep. So if I say Abo, is that, is that a... Yeah, so... That's not you, a nice thing to say. Nah, so, that's, that's not a nice thing so to I say. So I could probably scream that in this uh, coffee shop. Yeah, no shop. one would know any different. No one would care. No. Because there's none of them here. But nope. if uh, I said... Yeah, it's all about your things. demographic, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so, so back at home, we've just got a totally different subsection of people. Yeah, it's interesting, and it's it's all just like ways to describe people. It's not even like I'm not I'm not a racist person at all. Actually, no, no. I've got like I don't care I don't really care what race you are. Yeah, as long as you're not. Uh, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. So it's been a it's been an awesome week and a half so far. Yeah, so today's Tuesday. You go back on Sunday. 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 So so I got in here Saturday a week ago. I feel like this 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 is the third time round. So the very first time I came out was um 2017 July was it there was 17 17 sometime in there yeah something like that no it wasn't July it was October October okay because it was um I've been in like all the different weathers now it was kind of like mild that was probably the best temperature yeah 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 I feel like that was the best time the last time I came June July last year Mm. and that was hot like miserable bad yeah like humid a, too. Yeah, well, the, the, humid. the humidity is the, the yeah. u, u, humidity. Humidity. The humidity. We don't pronounce H's here. That's a Long Island thing, or it's a New yeah, York thing? It's a Long thing? Island thing. New Yorker thing, Long Island thing. Yeah. yeah. It's not the heat because we have 45 degrees. Yeah. It's probably 45 degrees back at home today. Yeah, yeah. But the humidity the humidity's horrendous. Horrendous. And like Sarah's just so hot. Uh, that's know, miserable. We have the heat blasting. And I actually haven't found the cold that bad. It's not so bad. I've dealt with it. Like, I bought I bought this... Um, to be honest... The good jacket? It's been very, very mild yeah. since you've been here. I mean, this is... You know, it's it's like 50 degrees out today. It's, it's not bad at For all. For the Australians listening, the Americans, because they like to be different, the size of their cups of venties and octopuses and whatever else, um, their temperature... So, zero degrees for us... It's very logical, the American way. So zero degrees to us is 32 degrees to them. Whoever came up with this system decided 32 was a good start-off, a good lead-off point. I'm pretty sure. It's, well, it's the like continental systems around before. I have the, a feeling like it's it's probably like the uh, it's probably the temperature which like I'm a boil. Sure the, the continental system is around before the metric system, right? I actually don't know I think that. that's true. Yeah. And there's plenty of things that used to happen a while ago that we don't do anymore. I feel like that's one we could probably let like go. Like sailboats. Yeah, there's plenty, of, there's plenty of shit we used to Horses. do. Horses. You guys did plenty of things for a long time that you shouldn't have that you don't do anymore. So, um, Slavery. Yeah, well, that's definitely one of those things. And I think that's why, in all seriousness, that's why there's probably like a certain, you know, weirdness around like nearly rebounding back the other way. You've been very careful of how you are with people yeah, now here yeah. because of how attractive. Like, Absolutely, you know, yeah. Let's how be, how let's be honest. Right, like, yeah. Let's be honest. It's not a nice thing to keep other humans as slaves. Like that's not. No, definitely not. not. I don't think anyone but agrees that that's going, a good idea. Like you said, it's going completely opposite. To I mean, kind we, of try we were, to make we're the last country to do that. You know, it's kind of going all the way in the other direction now. Mm. You know, where you just by identifying someone as, yeah, as the you get yourself in trouble. Yeah, of course. Mm, it's interesting. But uh, people are probably listening to us to talk about jujitsu. Anyway, so the, the, I haven't found the temperature bad at all. All no. the gyms are warm. The, the hotel's warm. The, the shops are warm. 
as long as you got a good jumper, it's yeah, you're fine. You know, what I do appreciate Jason when I when I said I was coming. Jason said, you know, get a good jacket. He gave me some really good advice, and he said, look, you definitely gonna need snow boots. And I thought, yeah, snow. Did I say that? Or? Yeah. So I went and bought these really expensive pair of boots that are sitting in my bag that are nice and Don't big. Don't need them. Take a lot of <laughs> take a lot of room up, a lot of weight, and uh, yeah, haven't haven't remotely like. So so this winter we've yeah. had one storm I'll call it I think it was a few weeks ago usually by this time we have maybe four or five you know heavy snows at this mm. point so it's been I miss the snow yeah so I think three years ago we got like 28 inches in February the beginning of February just for you guys listening an inch is two and a half centimeters it's almost a meter almost a meter of snow that's a reasonable amount of snow imagine a meter of snow in Penrith <laughs> we wouldn't know what to do. You, yeah. know, you know what's funny? We so we've had fires. Everything's been on fire. Yeah, yeah. And last week we had flooding. The rain came down and really? it's yeah. So the Penrith actually flooded. Um, Penrith, Penrith's my hometown. Penrith, mate. Yeah, Penrith's underwater. It's all right That's now. Crazy. But it is crazy. It's uh, it's global warming, Jason. It is. What do you think about that? I think it's a real thing. I think it's definitely yeah. a real thing. I think, I think if you don't think that's a real thing, you're a, you're crazy. Well, I right? think there's no debate that the planet is warming up but I think there is some debate and I'm not going to say how I feel on it but I think there is some debate as to what is the cause of it the Americans the Americans yeah If so even this right instead of just saying here you go here's your coffee cup we're going to wrap another coffee cup around your coffee cup there's another there's another piece like I don't know why the coffee cup is very hot you know <laughs> so these these started I would venture to say because Maybe not, but a few years ago, Litigation. maybe like 15 years ago, there was a woman who, who got a McDonald's coffee, and in her car, she opened the coffee up, put the coffee between her knees, yep. and tried to add sugar and whatever, creamer to it, and she spilt the coffee all over herself, herself and she sold, uh, not sold, sued McDonald's for you know millions of dollars, and she won the case, which mm-hmm. is unbelievable, because who would think that coffees could be hot, and why would you put the coffee between your legs? So now... We have all these. It's a very litigious. It's a if litigious you, if you look at the society. Cup, it has to say, "Caution, hot." Don't careful. Don't, don't tip this on your. Don't this on your genitals. Yep. So, oh, yeah, there it says down the bottom. Yep, it, it says, does. "Careful, the be- beverage you're about to enjoy is extremely hot." Okay. So we're in Nassau County here. So in Suffolk County, which is where I live, which is the next town over, there's this new law where they can't issue any plastic straws anymore. So now all the straws you get anywhere. Or paper, which mm-hmm. don't really bode well in water because they dissolve. Mm. So it's terrible. I think it has to do with the sea turtles. Um, well, they got to stop eating straws. I mean, I mean, I'm know. wondering how the straw gets from my cup of coffee mm. from my garbage to the sea turtles' nostril, mouth, whatever. I don't know, but you guys do like excess. You like, everything you do is excess, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm here learning jujitsu because you know you got a crazy group of guys that have obsessed about just. Taking jujitsu, everything is yeah. excessive, including, including you know downside like the cars are ridiculously big and I mean actually probably it's not too bad around here. Like I notice a lot of no, smaller it's cars, not too but bad, yeah. you know in general, um, you know you go to the shop and buy some drinks. I buy like one bottle of water, and they'll give me fifteen bags and like napkins and yeah. you know, anything that I might remotely need for a camping trip. I'm going to go on at some stage, yeah. but uh, it's such a cool place. I think you guys are just used to it because it's your culture. Yeah, did, yeah. Did you find it unusual coming to Australia? Did you notice the difference in culture? I did, yeah. yeah. I, I would definitely say everything's a little more low-key 
in, a, in not in a bad way in a in a good way I would say yeah you know everything like you said everything here is access you know mm. um, even we were talking about before the the idea of tipping you know it's ridiculous it's not a thing over there yeah and, and when you do think about it like we talked about that scene from what, what movie is it uh, in, uh, Reservoir Dogs Reservoir Dogs fantastic uh, you know that that monologue yeah what's the guy's I name need to go back and watch that it was Bashimi wasn't it Steve Bashimi right was it Bashimi is it Steve Steve John Bashimi I feel like there's someone there's watching is gonna. Someone gonna, knows it. Someone's screaming at it right but now. But he has a monologue where he, you know goes off about tipping. And, yeah, and that's basically how you feel, which is pretty true. But it's yeah. I need to go back and watch that actually. Yeah. I might do that tonight. In between making notes about jujitsu, yeah. I'm gonna watch you wrestle tonight. And I mean that purely in a creepy way. Like I'm gonna sit. Way. Yeah, I'm gonna sit there with my hands down my pants. He's gonna backhand stroke himself through the. That's my plan. Through the spats. Yeah, I don't wear spats anymore. So for a long time, I was wearing spats. And but with shorts over the top. Well, there was a period of time where I was an, abs- you know, and I'm wear. embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to say this. There was a, there was a period of time where I didn't know better, and I wore spats without what I call courtesy shorts. Courtesy shorts. Courtesy shorts. Courtesy shorts cover your small penis poking through the front of the spats. Um, a lot of guys, and it's like a cultural thing, depending on the gym. No, Millie. Yeah. We've pretty much now outlawed. It's a 10th planet thing, I think. Like, yeah, they like it. They love it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like if I was, um, you know, well endowed, maybe it's all right. Then you just pack and heat. You just, you just got it on show. Like, I'd be proud of it. But unfortunately, I'm not. And I, I went away from that. But yeah, you know why I went away from spats? I actually got it in my head that I could get better grip on people's legs with my, like, leg, leg hair exposed as opposed to having spats on. That's interesting. I recall one of the first times I went to Henzo's. Not the, I won't say the first time I went to Henzo's, but one of the first times I went to Henzo's after, you know, the squad, we'll say, became kind of prevalent. I remember talking to Eddie. It was right before his match with Tonquino, Augusto Mendes, and he he was talking about how he thinks for the optimal grip, he shaves his legs a few days before the match. Eddie does? Eddie. So right. that, you know, he doesn't want too much hair, but he doesn't want to be completely bare. He wants that stubble, which really? he feels gives him that... Sexy stubble. That sexy stubble that gives him the extra grip. Really? And leg entanglements, yeah. So, look, I, I don't know. I would not go against Eddie Cummings. That's a I don't man know that, how true that is, but I'm sure he... You know you know the, the most sticking, stickiest is when you've, you've had a sweat, so you've trained... And then you've dried, and then you try to drill again. That's yes. when you're at your most sticky. So sticky. I think realistically, you had a good warm up. Then you have to let the sweat dry. Then you could go out That's with the stubble. With the stubble. With the stubble. I haven't tried with the stubble. Yeah, but okay. I would have thought this. I find guys that have got their legs clipped or whatever, they slip out on me. Yeah, when they're I think completely shaven. Oh, so slippery. But yeah. when you get that little bit of hair, I think that adds that. I mean, you're a leg lock. You, let's be honest, you're top three leg lockers in the world. I don't think it would be. I don't think that's an unfair statement to, to make. You might you might try to you know be. Um, I would say I'm up there. Yeah, I think up. I think there's probably a good chance of you know there's there's Eddie Cummings, there's yourself, there's JC. I would definitely put those two in, Gordon, in that mix. I'd put Gary. Well, there. Gordon hasn't been doing it lately, but I mean I'm sure yeah Gary Tone. But yeah, it's a pretty good crew of guys. Yeah, for sure. Did you have you come across? Guys preparing to go against you by doing things like trying to shave up or even worse, grease up. Have you ever experienced so, it? I'll say this because I also mention names, please. Yeah, I'm going to mention names. So I had a, a match with Herbert Burns at uh, Rise Invitational. This is probably about a year ago. Yeah, and I am. He's from the Fight Sports camp. So, mm-hmm. 
that should give enough information from that. Do we look at the will. camera when we do this, or should we not look at the camera? Well, you, this, so there's two variations of this. One, one is it's going out on audio yeah. on, I find on myself iTunes. Glancing at the. You don't have to address the camera because we're just chatting. We're just, we're just two right. buddies here chatting, and they're just they're just creepily watching from the side. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So you just talk, you just look into my eyes from fight sports. Yeah. We understand what that means, mm-hmm. and uh, had a match with him. I ended up heel hooking him, but you popped him too from memory. Yeah, I did, but. I remember entering him, entering in on him, getting an Achilles grip, and his leg just slipping right out. Mm. And I had never felt that before. And uh, you know, it was it was very obvious that he had done something. You know, I'm not saying he applied grease right before the match, but some type of lotion or something along those lines. Was he shaved up? Uh, I don't remember honestly. That's not what I noticed. I just remember feeling that oily feeling when. Do you find that if someone's someone's like that you're gonna have to put a fairly extreme bend in their leg to stop them limping away yeah i think so you know or, or get your achilles high up by the knee or something along those lines or all switch to other attacks yeah yeah i mean it's, it's definitely something that you know we don't do in training maybe it's, it's worth practicing in training just to get that feel but mm. i mean i've heard stories about about a lot of people doing that you know it being a pretty common thing are they from any particular um country or would you would you would, you, um, would there be any certain nationality so to do that the mm, Borneo. Borneo, that's it. There's a lot of, a lot of high-level players <laughs> out of Borneo. <laughs> so what is it What is it out the window? I mean, if we look out here, it's, it's a bit of a dull afternoon. It looks like it's Detroit and we're going to get shot by somebody. It does. But, but that's not what's going to happen? Or this, this, is, uh, this lady coming in the... Um, I don't think she's packing. Well, every American's got a gun, so I kind of... Part of your constitution. Oh, Second Amendment. It's part of your Second Amendment, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone has the right to bear arms because uh, you know it's a it's a it's a requirement. Yeah. Um, what's going on? Is Donald Trump going to get kicked out? No, I don't really know. Um, I don't understand any of it. Yeah. What, what is impeaching? I don't even understand what that. So means. impeaching is, it's not doesn't mean you're getting kicked out of office. Mm. It's like the impeachment is the process, or the beginning of the process of getting kicked out of office. So you can be impeached, but it doesn't mean. That you could be removed from office. There's like a process after you get impeached in order to be removed from office. Don't quote me on that, mm. but impeachment doesn't mean you're getting removed. It means that the process of being removed has begun and you may or may not be removed. Usually, I mean, it's never actually happened where someone gets impeached and gets removed from office. But Bill Clinton... So it's, not, it's not, not common? It's not common, but it's, it's not... It doesn't mean the person or the, the president is being removed from office. So in Australia. So there's grounds for impeachment, and then impeachment is the process which... They work out whether they're going to boot him or not. Yeah, and usually it doesn't happen. So Lately, we've been... Um, our Prime Minister and his party, they just turn on each other all the time. We've had, we've been kicked, they've been kicking each other out regularly really? over the last few years. Yeah. You vote for someone, and then they just argue amongst themselves and kick one out and put That's a new one in. It's very interesting. I, I don't follow politics whatsoever. I think it's the biggest... Neither do I. Like... And trying to act like having an interest in it is somehow going to make you have any more control is, is yeah, people, like... People get very heated about it's, it. It's like me giving one of my kids a little steering wheel in the car and they pretend they're driving. No matter how hard they turn their wheel, the car yeah. goes where I want it to go. Yeah, it's kind of, of course. Like, <laughs> that's, that's a good kind analogy. Of how, that's that's kind true. of how I think of it, you know? That's very true. I, I used to find when I was a little bit younger, I was pretty... In, not, I don't want to say into it, but I, I would follow it pretty closely. And it only caused like either anger or frustration. Yeah. You know, I never found any positive things. Because you know? you're swinging the wheel left, yeah. while the while the car's going right. Not, and I'm not saying you're left or right. <laughs> I mean, that's a big deal over here. That could be fighting words. 
What do you got planned coming up? So it hasn't. You haven't competed this year. So we're in February. So, obviously, yeah, nothing. Yeah, 2020. Yet. Last time I competed was uh, VJJ Fanatics, which is November yeah. uh, 2019. So that was uh, that was my first tournament back since the knee surgery. Mm. So I felt good. It was an absolute tournament. You know, I did pretty well. I faced some big dudes, and yeah. I felt fine. So I'm definitely looking forward to. Uh, this year uh, we were so frustrated back at home watching that yeah so you lost to Kyle Boehm in the semis semis the quarters quarter, quarter finals yeah so you know, I mean look that's no whether we like that guy or not he's winning a lot of matches he is yeah he just here hooked um, Joao Rocha Joao Rocha on the weekend you know, ADCC silver medal you know, like you know. he's, he's clearly a good and when you I don't know if people realise this but if, if you've got two grapplers who are both good and one's extremely larger than the other. Yeah. There's definitely a big... There's certain things they can do just to stay out of stuff and, and make things work that wouldn't work if you're both the same yeah, size. Yeah. And that's not a cop-out. That's just... It's purely a, yeah, re- I mean, a reason why... He, he's division. definitely he's definitely done well lately. Uh, he did you know, the Kasai heavyweight tournament that was this past weekend. He ended up taking fourth. I mean, that's a 265-pound yeah. tournament, so that's pretty mm. big. Uh, you know, he looked Joao Rocha, like you said. He ended up losing to Nicky did you Ro- say? Did you say that? Yeah, I watched did it. Did you yeah. see what he did? Yeah, yeah. He used a scoop. And did you see what Ro- Rocha? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the foot was in the shorts for like half a second. Oh. Yeah, total. Like he just did the classic bullshit. It's like, come on, man, just take take your medicine. Yeah. So, so those that are listening, Rocha gets put in an outside like a reap position. Gets put like he just pummels straight. He gets put in outside Asha, yeah. Well, did it? No, it was he, outside Asha, yeah. Was it? Out, or was it a um, a Rimiashi? No, it was outside Ashi. Okay. I'm positive, yeah. Okay, because he pummeled the foot through. You're right. Yeah. So he pummeled the, the toes get caught in, in the Roach's shorts. shorts. Felt like a second puncher straight through. Didn't It could not possibly... If Rocha can't turn his body against his own shorts, you, you're kidding yourself. Like, yeah, yeah. He just sat there and looked at the referee like, get me out of the heel hook, and then complained and whinged. I'm yeah. like, come on, man. Like, And he got popped, I think. His, his, so I don't know if you remember that... So he was limping after the match, and then his second match, he, he went off the stage like, and he banged yeah, the same knee, <laughs> and he started really limping. Look, so did I, you, uh, I felt like there was so much theatrics going on with him. Oh like, my god! But then, yeah. but then he'd come back out and he could wrestle and shoot a double, and then he'd like limp again. I don't yeah. know. Look, I don't. I'm not him. No one will know it. Of course. Him, but I just felt a little bit. It felt a little bit pushed for me. Yeah, definitely. And, and I feel like some of these guys, when they realize. Yeah, because a lot of these guys have never—they've never been tested even in the gym. They haven't been pushed. They've been pushed by like guys who are real submission grapplers. And when they start to feel like they might get caught, I think it's nice to just have something in the back corner there, like, "Look, this is why I got caught because of this." I mean, he's a guy that's done. I mean, he's done very. He's been very successful. You know, he's. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if he's won the worlds in the gi, but he's placed multiple times. He's been at the top of the division. I mean, he's beaten Bucetia. Like he's. He's one of the best of the best guys, but in gi grappling, in gi grappling, even in nogi, he took second in ADCC. He took second in the absolute. Here's what I think about. But I don't think he's a submission grappler. He doesn't really understand. Yeah, but here's what I think about winning ADCC. What's happening in some of those? Positions. If you won ADCC, you know, there's like a cutoff. There's like there's like before Christ and after Christ. It's like there's a there's a cutoff year where. Everyone was still just the gi guys taking their gis off yeah, and doing yeah. some no gi. Yeah, yeah. And then there was a period of time around 2009, I think it was. Well, he took second ADCC absolute 2015. So, okay. so that was like right on that. Yeah, that's kind of when the American thing was it 2011 China. What was it? 2011 was Nottingham in England. 2013 was China. China. 15 Brazil. Okay. 17 Finland last I year. I feel like it was like, yeah, we were like, in like 2013. I think like that China one. That's when Paul Harris tore everyone to bits, wasn't it? That was 2011. 
Okay. I feel like around there was like a there was like a changing of the guard where it kind of became yeah. a different beast. Before that, yeah, you know, there was fan- they're fantastic athletes, but it was a it was a different yeah. thing if you watch it compared to watching now. And I mean, the the horse is well and truly bolder now. Like if you watch the 2017 or the 2019 worlds for ADCC. I mean, it's a, it's a totally different thing. It's phenomenal now. Very different, yeah, yeah. It's a different thing to what it was then. So some of these guys that won, you know, years ago, not to discredit that, but it was a different type of thing. Oh, so like yeah. claiming I was a, uh, you know, yeah. Anyway, Roach is definitely good. He's a yeah. big, strong boy. Yeah, uh, I think he, he did hit a nice dart stroke actually. He did. Uh, yeah, yeah. Against that, looks like a that fight sport, fight sports guy. Uh, yeah. Um, some dude that got caught up at yeah. like four hours notice. Or something. <laughs> yeah. What happened to um, Gardio? I didn't even like. I notice. don't know. I have no idea. He just bailed at the last I second. Something happened. I mean, he's, you know, Roach is definitely good, but I think Kyle exposed him, you know. I mean, he didn't know what to do in that position. Completely clueless. Yeah. Turned yeah. the wrong way. Yeah. I mean, we just talked about this today. Heel slipping is something that's definitely a skill. Oh, my God, it's, yeah. And it, but it's a scary skill because the practice that you're going to have to practice in the training room with people you can trust that aren't going to explode your leg mm-hmm. but are but do have a good enough skill set we're, to put you we're in getting a real feel. Yeah, yeah we're getting a real course. feel. It's tricky. Like if you're just going with some white belt, and you're like, oh, I try and do heel hook to me. Like, of course you're going to be able to. I mean, that's definitely a skill that's not practiced by the majority of the people who who train jiu-jitsu. Yeah, that's the end of the line. If your heel's caught, that's the end of the line for most people. But, if I can't turn out, that's yeah, the end of the line. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And heel slipping is terrifying because it goes against. Or even everything. just hiding your heel. You well, know? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, to take it to that next level to heel slipping, it's like my heel is exposed and caught. For most of us, it's like going back into it just seems like that's what we've always been told is wrong. Of course, yeah. Don't go back into it. Like, but, you know, spending time with you and these other guys, it's like, I put you in a heel hook and I feel like I'm the one that's in a bad position. Yeah. yeah, It's like the counter game. That makes me feel really good, you know. I put all this time into becoming a jiu-jitsu black belt. I put you in my best finishing position and then you've somehow got the the, the, the upper hand. Like, thanks for for making me, belittling me, (laughs) belittling me like that. It's good. It's good. So I feel like there's a very fine line between, you know, when you're attacking someone's legs, you know, it, just a quick, you know, hip switch or like movement of your of, of your hip line or, or knee line, and you know, you're going from an offensive position to a defensive position. You know, that's that's the thing with leg locking. You know, it's such a skill and an art to be able to like attack your partner's legs while also defending your yeah. legs or defend your legs while attacking your partner's legs. There's just a game of counters. It's like yeah. watching two counter bo- you know, boxes going yeah. at it that are they're good at countering. One throws, the other evades, he comes yeah. back on the other. And if, if you're going with someone whose repertoire of techniques is deeper than yours, you find yourself yeah. in trouble. You know, you made an entry on their leg and then before you know it, you're getting It's like the whole finished. idea of Danaher, you know, him talking about systems. You're bringing the game to a particular area even though the person may or may not have more experience than you and everything else, you're bringing them to an area where you have more experience than them and you have more depth of knowledge. And you're turning it into a game of knowledge and, you know, deepness of understanding versus, you know, speed, athleticism, you know, size, whatever. Mm. Um, I wanted to ask you this question, um, and I don't even know whether it makes sense, but, you know, you, you, you don't have someone necessarily coaching you in a lot of this stuff that we're doing right so i come to you for advice i come to you and say this position i'm having this problem you know what and you go oh look i do this series i do this i do this this is a nice option from my understanding you don't really have that person as much that you go directly to you've got like people you collaborate with yes yeah but you don't have like that coach to go but you you keep 
you continue to innovate and come up with things. How do you? I wanted to ask you. And this is it's a it's a tricky question, but I wanted to ask you like, how can I train myself to start to think that way? And also for people listening, like, how can they train to start to? I can problem solve, but here's the thing. Here's the problem with problem solving. I keep thinking to myself. If I'm going the wrong direction with whatever idea I'm coming up with with my problem solving, I could be wasting two weeks here in the wrong direction. Whereas if I just if I go to you and go, Jay, what about this? But then I'm not, you know, should I be taking and and, and further down the line, should other guys be, you know, taking their own problem solving mm-hmm. direction, or you know, do you do you want your students to ask you for an answer, or do you want them to come up with an answer? And so, like, does that question? There's a lot in that. No, no, that, that's a good question. So that that reminds me of a of a quote. You know, Mark Twain, obviously, you know, Mark Twain. American? American. American I've heard author. of Mark Twain, but I don't know. Yeah, so he's a famous American author. So yeah. I may get the quote wrong, but it's 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 not what you don't know that hurts you. It's what you sure you know, but just ain't so that hurts you. Jeez. So that's a, that's a good quote. It was like you prepared that. That was well, nice. Uh, that was yeah, nice. it just so happens I was like, you know, okay. I yep. saw that somewhat. I mean, I knew the quote, but like I saw it again recently. Um, so like like you said, how do I know if I'm doing the wrong thing? Yeah. So if you go down a certain pathway and you think a certain thing is is very correct and it turns out that that's not true, you know, you've wasted all this time mm-hmm. and you know, you've based um, I guess what you do on certain assumptions that may not be true. So it's interesting. So when I I would say if I go back 2 2 years from now or you know, two and a half years from now, I would say I was in a more of a similar position that you are where I kind of looked up to certain people to have all the answers mm-hmm. in, in jiu-jitsu and not that I don't and you know those people were like Danaher, Gordon, Gary you know not that I don't feel like they Eddie Eddie yeah uh, not that I feel like they don't now but I feel like I've come to a point where I can like you said come up with my own you know solutions to these problems and I think a big part of that is not necessarily that I've developed as a grappler which I have but just like when you're put in a situation where you have to kind of come up with your own answers, like I think you'd surprise yourself to what you're able to come up with and, you know, to solve these, you know, these certain problems that... So are all the answers there, you just have to look for them? Uh, the thing is like, so for example, let's take another field of study, like, like uh, medicine, let's say. There are certain things in medicine that are known, right? Like, you know aspirin is a fucking blood thinner or whatever like you know it's like it's a scientific basis in jujitsu it's not really like that like you know you because one because one like I mean there's no like a scientific study that's determining which techniques are good and which are not good I mean there's definitely things that you could see work at a high level but like nothing in jujitsu is is like known does that make sense like is, is are you trying to say that there's no absolute like yeah, there's, th- th- there's, like there's there's 15 roads we could take that'll all get us to Manhattan yes, yes, but they all yeah. get to Manhattan there's no absolutes and like to say like knee cuts the best pass in jiu-jitsu yeah. or like uh, you know a knee cuts the best way to deal with this or, or whatever like or a stack passing you know there's no because it, it's it's a it's a sport where you're I don't know it's just very hard to record exactly how much something works and how much it doesn't work so you know different people are going to have different answers to different problems but I think it's like for example the thing, some of the things were you know that we've been working on or that JC's working on it's not you know what I mean it's kind of the 
the edge of the the current knowledge. So you you, you kind of get what I'm saying here. You, like, well, you're beating the new path. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, okay. yeah. So like, when we go down a certain direction, we're not really sure. Yeah, you might get to a dead end and go. There's a cliff here. We can't. Yeah. We got to turn around and go back. And but what I'm saying is, it's very hard to determine whether something is really really good or yep. it's just a dead end. Yeah. And like you know, and for some people it might be a dead end. For some people it might be really effective. If that makes sense. Like well, you and I will talk. And you'll go, you know that gripping that we've been working on for a month? Yeah. Well, this is better. Yeah. And and for me, I love that, first of all. Like, I love that we're continually evolving and adapting. See, I said we're, but I'm not the one actually doing it. You're the one doing <laughs> it. Um, I do find... Well, what I'm saying is, like, so I'll, I'll tell you, Luke, like, I'm, I'm doing this now from this position. And you'll take that and, like... You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to adapt that and change what I'm doing. And in one sense, that's very good. But in another sense, it doesn't mean what I was doing originally isn't good. There's yep. times when I'll switch to something else and go back to what I was originally yep. doing. You know, it happens yep. all the time, you know. Yep. And it's just, I mean, it's very hard to identify, like, again, because there's no statistical data. And I don't even know how you would like come up with statistical data well, to determine what works and what doesn't work. It's really me feeling like, Wind okay, I feel like this position is working really well. I think this is better than this. It's, it's really just my opinion at the given time. You know what I mean? It's very hard to like concrete. I mean, there's definitely certain things like, like I don't think rolling out of heel hooks is a, is a good solution, you know, and I can say that with confidence, but there's certain things like that. I don't really know that I'm just, telling you to do because i feel that it's yeah that's a good good option you know there's no again there's no concrete data versus something like medicine or yeah it's like you take this drug it's going to increase your blood pressure yeah, we know that's, that's true that's we know that's true like, like you do stack passing you're gonna increase yeah. your guard passing by 10 percent like, yeah I don't fucking yeah know. like well maybe, it's also it's so and this is where and it sounds super wanky to say but it's it's really an art form it really is yeah and it's a lot of it is you know, what are you trying to achieve out of? Are you trying to achieve to score some points? You were trying to achieve just yeah. to get to a position to submit a guy. Are you, you know, the other thing is you might be, you know, we favor a certain type of guard play. It's yeah, like, yeah. you know, reverse guard, reverse De La Hiva. De La Hiva. So you look at those people. Will we? They want to use the table. Did they, look, did they look at you like you asshole? Yeah, but whatever. Well, they can leave. I think they did, didn't they? They did leave. Fuck them. Can you see them on the camera? Okay. Is that a dude or a girl on the left? Uh, I think that's two girls. Well, the one on the right is definitely a girl. But that guy's got some tight jeans on. That's all. I think that might be a, a lesbian couple. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, it's so artistic. And th- th- we favor a certain type of guard play, but then you go to Danaher's and Gordon will favor fighting for inside position and using, you know, off balances yeah, and yeah. coming up. So the, there's no definite right yeah, or wrong yeah, and I think it took me true. a long time and it, it takes a lot of students a long time to realise there's certain absolutes right like you just said like there's certain absolute for instance if if you pass the guard and you let your partner trap an arm in your head you're going to go into a triangle like there's certain absolutes there's no one that's probably yeah, going to yeah. coach you that look our main guard passing style is going to be to reaching back yeah, and, you know like yeah, putting so there's, certain, there's certain absolutes but there's certain people I mean granted they're usually bigger broader guys who can put themselves in triangles yeah. use it as a guard pass every time well let's know? say like you know saying to someone look the way we're going to escape the back you're going to put your neck up and then once he gets tired of strangling you then we're going to go like there's certain things that are absolutes but then with the rest of it there's definitely directions you can take there's guys winning you know, we were just talking about JT Torres before, right? Yeah. I would never want to train under him 
and I don't mean that disrespectfully. I think he's absolutely unbelievable. But his style of grappling doesn't. Different than it's what, a different style to you, what I'm yeah. interested in. What I think can be replicated by mod, you know a, a big group of people. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not effective. He's a multiple time ADCC champion. You know. Then you've got someone. Paul O'Meal, who's like, you know, a little bendy dude that'll bend upside down, and, you know, he's very successful. There's there's no one right or yeah, wrong. There's no, there's no... And that's why it's so cool. It's, and you see all these different things matching together. Yeah. But as a, as, a, as, a, as a player, as a coach, you know, you keep thinking, you keep searching for that perfect pathway. Yeah. I know it doesn't exist, but you, you're just like, how can we have this? Give, I'm going to give my guys such so many tools and, and things that then the other thing is you can only take on so much information like yeah. how much can an individual take on in a period of time to get good enough mm-hmm. there's so many variables but like I'm continually searching for that pathway and then I keep thinking like you're doing that you're doing that by yourself you know at the moment you're you're at the front with the light on mm-hmm. and I'm following behind I can see where the light out, is yeah, yeah. but you're at the front of the fucking line and that's that's really cool and I was wondering like should I be and, and like I said people listening should they be taking more ownership or do you think it depends on your level do you think because I think probably a white belt should definitely just be learning what they're shown understand maybe why they've been doing what they're doing but not so much of like ah oh, you know I did this move to a white belt the other day I'm going to this is what we should be doing it's yeah, like yeah. you know it might not I be mean, right I it's, mean it's even like you look at like the fundamentals like not saying they're not but like whoever created those like they were you know you, they were kind of back you can always just yeah, drag yeah. it over Whoever, like, you know, the fundamentals, close guard, arm bar, you know, you know, shoulder pressure, underhook, passing half guard, you know, arm bar for mount, like all the simple techniques that you view as fundamentals. At some point when there was no technique, you know, there was somebody who obviously created those things, you know, like uh, a triangle wasn't... Excuse me, all praise to the grandmaster, Helio. Helio Grace. How dare you? Somebody. <laughs> somebody. <laughs> Just some guy. Helio, his training partners. You know, I mean, the world wasn't created with a triangle choke being a thing you know what i mean like someone had to come up with that with that specific body alignment to feel like oh wait i can strangle somebody doing this you know so now that's kind of a staple everyone knows a triangle choke this is how you do a triangle choke because somebody you know created and came up with it and we figured out ways to improve it it's not like uh you know it's not like you discovered you know a new element that's always been around like it's you know it's a uh, it's something that we kind of came up with on our own that whoever you know Helio and whoever he was training with at the time figured out how to do this, and it's become a staple in jujitsu. And we're kind of like at that point Probably now. Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal, yeah. And we're kind of at that point now with you know especially a lot of these uh, you know new leg locking sequences and all these different you know for example like an Aoki lock. You know, not saying no one's ever done that before, but. It's kind of becoming a lot more prevalent right now. And how cool is that? You say, yeah, I've made up this new move called an Aoki lock. You're like, isn't that named after a Japanese guy that used to do it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely not. No, it's not. It means six Shinya, foot lock in Japanese. Shinya Aoki is not a person. <laughs> Trust me. But, uh, you know, there's, you know, if you look over the years, I mean, that's probably not that prevalent. I'm sure Shinya Aoki did it. I guess that's where it comes from. But Yeah, there's always someone that's that guy yeah, that's like. Yeah, but, yeah. like, so a lot of this stuff I would say is undiscovered hmm. that makes sense like uh, so what do you say you know leg locks are becoming last couple of years they've become the thing they, maybe their like popularity is even not past but like I think if you talk to most people they're, they're definitely interested in leg locks yeah. and there's definitely more being taught years ago no one was teaching it in schools like it just wasn't there was like maybe a shitty straight ankle lock and then maybe a knee bar 
<coughs> that was it. If you're in a real like edgy school, maybe yeah, they'd yeah. show you like some type of heel hook. The the heel hook, I should say. Yeah, the one heel hook. The heel hook, and it's like, oh, that's the heel hook. Um, what would you say to people who don't have, you know, a direction to go? Like, obviously, people in Sydney that want to learn good leg locks, they're coming to me. You know, people from around here are going to you. They're going to, you know, Danaher. What would you say to people who don't have access to that, but they want to start to get into that type of game? Well, what do they What do they do? Do they, you know, work off instructionals? Yeah, I think I think that's a good option. I mean, this is a day and age where you can learn world class jujitsu over the internet. Mm. You know, I mean. Obviously, with all the BJJ Fanatic stuff, Danner's instructionals, uh, you know, Ivan instructional, Jason, online, Jason Rouse, you know, Gordon Ryan, Eddie Cummings has one in the Jitsu. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good stuff yeah. out there. I mean, yeah. just even watching, I mean, before I started going to Henzo's, like, I didn't have a great understanding of leg locks, but I had a pretty decent understanding of what was happening. Um, you know, because I watched, I watched videos on YouTube. I watched Eddie Cummings, Gordon Ryan, and, and Gary Tonin on, on YouTube. And I figured out, oh, this is the saddle. This is outside Ashi. This is what they're doing. Mm. And I kind of pieced it together myself, you know. But the rate of progression, because I did the same thing, right? I was only talking to the boys the other day about this, that I first... Are you getting uncomfortable? You right? No, I'm good. No, no. no. My, I started to see EBI pop up, and I was mm. like... I was immediately attracted to it. I was like, this is something different. This is fantastic. This is interesting. And these guys are doing crazy stuff, and they're doing these leg locks that, you know, I'd been doing leg locks. I was into leg locks since I was new, since I was a white belt. Yeah. And, um, you know, I didn't give my name myself the name Leg Lock Luke, and I kind of feel like a goose when I'm sitting next to you, who's um, Jason Rowell, 89 or whatever. What's your, <laughs> J Rowell, 89. Yeah, J Here I am, Leg Lock Luke. But, uh, but, but uh, you know, not even half of your leg locking ability. But I've been into it for a long time. And then I started to see these guys and I'm like, this is just a different thing. It's completely different, yeah. You could have left me by myself in Sydney and just seen videos and do stuff, but the rate of progression was so much faster once I came here and was like, <coughs> just understood some different concepts and it, I was shown the light rather than just using our analogy of just humping around the bush. All of a sudden, I was put on a pathway and I can move through at such a faster rate of speed. Yeah. You know, so I find like, you know, my question about how do you... How does someone who doesn't have access to that information? I think it's a very frustrating thing because you're limited so much by either your access to information or your access to good training partners. And I think you need probably both of those to really get at a good rate of yeah. progression. I mean, know? I think it's very interesting when they, you know, when they first started. You know, Gordon, Gary, and Eddie first started like being very prevalent in leg locks. Mm. They were doing two things that are, at least for me at the time when I watched what they were doing. To me, it was like two, like kind of going back to the quote I said, it was two things that I wouldn't do. So you have the, you know, the saddle entry, that mm-hmm. whole idea of like the Connie Bissami motion of mm-hmm. like the leg scissor from bottom. You're kind of putting yourself in like a leg weave or a smash pass. And for me on top, that was like my main form of passing. So I, I was seeing them do this. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. Like, why are they doing this? This is a bad thing to do. So it's something I would have, at least at the time, never figured out on my own because I kind of had a preconceived notion of. You know what? That's wrong. This is wrong. Yep. Don't do this. Mm-hmm. And then outside Ashi, which is like kind of like a leg drag, you know. So like it was these two positions which, in traditional jiu-jitsu you would not put yourself in because it kind of led into two of the you know main forms of of guard passing. Yeah. And so for me, when I first saw it, I was like, this doesn't make sense. This is no good. I kind of discounted it or discredited it. And then like I saw more and more, and I started to you know kind of buy into it. But I, I think they kind of stumbled upon that. It's good that chick's um, thrashing that bag around yeah. like that. That's, that's for that. Starbucks. Mm-hmm. And so I think they stumbled upon this thing, whether it was Danaher or whatever. Like, 
and they like you started utilizing this that no one else had ever thought of or if they did think of it they would say ah that's no good and you put yourself in a leg drag you you know you get to smash your own guard doing this and that kind of started this whole thing and i think those two techniques the idea of going to outside achi because you know, we all learned a uh, eel hook from a standard ashi or single leg axe there yep. was no differentiation between the, the ashigurami and the, the, finishing, and the finishing technique mm-hmm. and and this whole like connie basami leg scissoring is something i don't think you know and look I would have ever gone to if I didn't see them doing that. This all comes back to, as far as I'm concerned, one guy. And I know you guys have all been around him a lot, so it's easy to become used to having someone around. And, and But as far as I'm concerned, Danaher revolutionized yeah, submission grappling. Absolutely. And I'm sure, you know what the funny thing is? I don't think over overnight Danaher became clever all this. I think he's been that guy since probably he was a kid. Mm-hmm. How did it go from he was just teaching at Henzo's in the city, you know, just teaching classes, to now absolutely everybody is enthralled by him. Yeah. Everybody wants to sit down and listen. You go to the basement there. There's all these people traveling from... There was dudes from Poland there the other day. There's me from Australia. There's people everywhere. How did it... It's was be it one of the most visited gyms in the world, I would think. I would think so. Other than, like, maybe, like, the big super academies that that, that have, you know, like the Artos or the I mean, Even, even maybe even more maybe. so than Artos. Maybe. I mean, I think I think Danaher's kind of, uh, you know, especially because of his instruction, I feel like the average guy feels like they can learn more yeah. from him than someone like Andre Galvao, who's obviously great, but he's no, I totally a little attribute-based. You know, I don't think a anyone, little. anyone disagrees with that. What attributes are you talking about, Jason? <laughs> Steroids? Uh, no, he doesn't me. do that. He does um, what are those uh, bag workouts? He does. It's acai. Uh, so he, <laughs> acai. Yeah, that's right. It's um, probably a different type of bag workout they do in Miami, actually. So I think uh, in regard to, to how did this guy? How did it just? I mean, I so coming from where I come from, coming from Sarah's, you know, I learned about him, you know, very early. Like I started in 2010. I remember in 2011 he came to Sarah's and gave a seminar. It was 2011, I think, right? Yeah. And, uh, like, I, I was always kind of, like, enamored by him, you know, because mm-hmm. just through, because this is when Matt was still fighting, and Matt would go to him for help with his jiu-jitsu, even though Matt had, you know, originally been Danaher's teacher. When, when Matt would have fights coming up, he would go train in the city with him to prepare for his, you know, for his UFC fights. So I kind of was always, like, I always knew about him just because of my affiliation because my Henzo Gracie school, you know, mm. Matt Sarah's under, under Henzo. But did and you realize he was a different animal when you listened to him? So when I would learn from him, I would occasionally go in, into Henzo's. Like, you did the podcast with Eric the other day. Yep. Like, I became friends with Eric when I was like, when I was a blue belt. And at that time, he had left Sarah's. He had, like, an internship in the city. And he was training in Manhattan under Danaher. And he would tell me about him. He's like, this guy's amazing. You have to come train here. And I would occasionally come in and... Uh, are they, getting, are they getting noisy? I don't know. Sorry. Maybe it's just our mics. Yeah. Sorry about the background noise, guys, but I think it's worth being here for a bit yeah. of fun. I, yeah. I would uh, occasionally so go city, in yeah. Yeah, and train, and he was incredible. He was, like, always... He's uh, on, okay. Like, I was always completely amazed by his teaching ability. Like, I, I can remember very distinctly, like, going into classes in, like, 2011, 2012, and, like, learning... And I still remember the classes of this day, like to the T, like what we did and the, like it's techniques yeah. I still use or still teach. Like, and so I always knew he was an amazing instructor, but there was never ever any like high level competitors out of there. I know Gianni Gripper was there and he ended up leaving, but he was always kind of like a MMA coach. He was George St. Pierre's coach. He was coaching Chris Weidman. I think he just had the, and we've talked about this before, like he just had the outlet because he wasn't a competitor himself. He had the outlet of his students to, you know, 
like Gary Gordon Eddie were like the first students to really kind of you know like use what he taught I guess in competition with success and so through them I think like you know people were able to find out about him see his method the way he talks about things and, and the way he explains things it makes sense to me it makes sense to you I wonder if that resonates with a lot of people or does it only resonate with certain types of people like does it only re- resonate with the guys who are a bit fucking autistic like we are and you know we, we appreciate every fine detail do you think there's a group of the jiu-jitsu community where they're like I think I think the community that doesn't I don't want to say doesn't respect him or the, that doesn't like believe he's an amazing coach is the I mean, at this point, I think they're it's, biased I think under it's other under, reasons. Uh, yeah, I think they're biased. Yeah. They're part of Team Atos yeah. or yeah. you know some some probably Brazilian it's an team. affiliation thing. Yeah, more I than think actual, at this yeah. point, it's undeniable like how good of a coach he is. Like mm. especially after this ADCC, you know, having you know, you can't not that you not that Dan hasn't helped Craig, but like you know, oh. Craig, <laughs> I wouldn't consider like his success solely based on training at Henzo's, but you have Gordon. You have Gary, you have Nikki, you have all these guys going to ADCC. You have Nikki Rod, who's been training. You know, but he's got his he's got his fingerprints on a lot of very good guys. Yes, like yes, his yeah. fingerprints are still on you, even though you're, you know, not going in as much anymore. Yeah, yeah. Your his influence definitely oh would have God, you would like, have to say if you were being honest. Even even if I yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Like I mean, if I never went and trained at Henzo's, like I would not be the grappler I am today. Yeah. Um, you know, he has a like so many of the staple positions I do. Like, for example, armbar, going to three-quarter juji or triangle armbar. Like, I remember one of the first private lessons I did with him, you know, after I started training there, he was like, listen, like, this is the position we do. We go to three-quarter juji. This is a better position. This is why it's better. And from there, I kind of, you know, not that he didn't, he taught me the position. He didn't teach me everything I do from there, but he opened my mind to that idea. And then from there, like, you know, I have all these other great minds around me asking them questions what do you do from here what do you do from here and like the system I do from that position is a product of him showing me it and that a product of everyone else around me who also does that position and the kind of the ideas everyone has come up with you know, come up with from that's there that's what I you know? see right I think that's a perfect what you're saying is absolutely correct I feel like this hotbed on the east coast here all these really good guys have generally got some type of affiliation back to Henzo's in the yeah. basement where Danaher has given them an understanding of really high quality, being able to perceive the technique in a different way to just do this step, that step, and then there's the move. Like, when he explains it, it I kind of think of it less of remembering a set of moves and more about understanding yes. the position. Yes. Yeah. And that's, like, because I, I say this all the time, my goal is not to be a great competitor. That's never, ever been my goal, and it's not my goal. My, my goal is to be the best coach I can be. I want to be at a... Um, you know, give all my students the highest quality. Quality is really important with me yeah, with everything yeah. I do. And I want to, if, if my, all the good gear, that's right. Like anything I do, yeah, anything I do, like, that's just me in general, right? If I, if I go, if I'm going to buy a jacket, I buy the good one. That's just how yeah, I am, right? Yeah, so yeah, I apply yeah. that same concept to my, yeah, you know, wanting course. to be a good coach. And um, I find myself just trying to understand everything more. And this last, and this is absolutely no disrespect to any of my previous coaches, but probably since I got my black belt and started to really so I've been a black belt for now four and a half years I think I'd say in that last four and a half years my understanding of grappling has exponentially changed compared to the 10 years before that like not even there's not I, even I would say there. since I started going to since I started training in the city you know at the beginning of 
like 2017 consistently. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been the same for me. And know? I'm not trying to make this into a downhill no, wank fest. No, I'm just no, trying to. Course. It's because it, it's so close to my. I think he's heart, he's know? opened, like so. I mean, he said this a few times. I think he's opened, like especially the best guys there, their minds up to certain mm-hmm. types of thinking, and like from there, like obviously. He's he's still of course coming up with new techniques and innovative things and innovating things, but it's kind of like you have a group of people like he's brought certain students up to like almost his level where you have all these minds kind of mm. churning and coming up with new ideas. Like I don't yeah. think when even when he shows something in class, like I think we talked about this last time, he shows let's say like a, a crossashi entrance from somewhere like. And then from there, like, he kind of wants you to take it from wherever. Yeah. Like, you can take the back. You can switch to 50-50. You can do X, Y, Z. Like, he wants you to, like, explore the options from, from these given positions that he Well, that brings us back to teaches. the question I just asked you before, doesn't it? Where he's, he's gearing you up to start to, he's the beginning that you run from there. And that, that brings me back to what I was asking. Like, I find myself... Not scared to do that, but apprehensive just mm-hmm. because I want to get the most out of every moment that I'm spending on the training yeah. room floor and my students. I don't want to be taking us in a direction that's not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's yeah. not that's not right. And that's that's where it's kind of tricky. So, but yeah, I mean, I think you have to, like, like at least, you know, you have certain, we talk about absolutes, like, there are certain things that I base what I come up with off of. Like, for example, I know... All right, 50-50 is good for exposing the heel because I have my legs going across the knee. Mm-hmm. I know outside Ashi is good for finishing, you know, but it's bad for exposing the heel. There's certain, like, principles that in my head I stick to, and then from there I come up with different things based on those principles, right? Like, so, I mean, we're just talking about leg locks, but, yeah. you know, you can, yeah, yeah. can go for anything, of course. Um, have you always been creative? Uh, or is this just your thing? It's just something that... I wouldn't say I've always been creative, no. I would say... I've been much more creative the past few years. Mm. I think when, I mean, when I initially started training, I, I used to, I think when I like made a big jump, you know, I used to train with Eric Sherman a lot, but yep. I would watch the Mendes brothers and I would just copy what they did. It was right learning. Yeah, like was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very good at watching something and being able to do it, but yep. I want to say I came up with a ton of stuff on my own, but I would say the past few years I come up with a lot of stuff. Yeah. Probably because yeah. of, you know, this kind of, idea of like learning a few principles learning a few systems and then like branching it from there and kind of take you know using my own take on it like you said like uh i think the way i and and all all the guys at henzo's are like this but the way like i train is a little bit different than the way frank trains or the way jc trains or the way Mm. you know any of those guys train i think like it's kind of my own take on but you guys getting together so just today for instance we, we got together at twelve thirty today yeah you'd organize a training session there and it was it was you it was myself it was frank rosenthal it was jc it was um dan stolfi stolfi and um a few other gentlemen but they're probably like the, the more guys that people would maybe yeah, recognize yeah, yeah. Putting, putting all that together, the positions you're going to put each other in then brings up questions. You guys are like, oh, I like to do this, I like to do this. You know, and all these, like, it's just this fine-tuning adjustment yeah. that's happening all the time. Yes, all the time. Yeah. I, don't, I hope, I'm sure you appreciate that's a, you guys can improve at such a faster rate doing that than if it was just you and I training in Sydney yeah, yeah. over and over and over. We're just not going to ask each other as many questions. I mean, even like, that's why like someone like Nick Ronan, like for each other, we're such huge resources because yeah. we can run things by each other all the time. Not that I can't do that with other people, but you know, like I think at a certain point, 
like once someone gets to a certain point you can really do that back and yeah. forth you know and well, like yeah i mean to me like like you said like you, like you don't have someone directly coaching you or showing you oh now from here we're yep. gonna go to this mm-hmm. but like it's like bouncing ideas off different people allows me to come up well, you kind of you guys got kind of you guys are kind of like um like a power ranger you guys plug together to become something bigger <laughs> yeah you know it's like, like the it's like um the power rangers plug together uh, that's what the Transformers. The, maybe? No, no, not the Transformers. There was um. Yeah, I know you. Do you remember in the eighties, the end of the Cats, and they plugged together? Yes. What were they? Yeah, I don't know. Fuck. The Power Rangers were like. Yeah, but they weren't. Together. They weren't the Power Rangers. What is it? The like the. They were called something. The, the sum of their parts is greater than greater than them individually. What's the same? Yeah. It's like a, but that's yeah, that's the idea, right? Like you guys become like a super coach between you. Yeah, yeah, you know. And that's what I saw on the match today. I was like, fuck, like just just the. You know, there's people that would be going paying big money for seminars to go to any one of you guys to learn from you. Stolfi just put out a just put out an instructional yeah, yeah. DVD, and then like you know, we're all just there training together, and you know, you put them in a position that they, you know, he's like, oh, this happened. What, what should I do? It's, that's really cool, and um, yeah. I think that's why you guys are just continuing to evolve. It's not, and and you know what? Maybe if you just had one overarching guy just telling you what to do, that would nearly stifle some of that. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely agree you with that. I mean? like, you know, I mean, I think there's definitely a level of openness, you know, to, to the training. Especially in the showers afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Very open. Um, we don't do that back in Australia, but showering together nude and show- cleaning each other. It's getting my back. That's the thing Places here. I wouldn't you know, normally get on my We're very back. open society. Yeah. You know, non-judgmental. Like, yeah. So we all shower together. What about, men. I'm not going to mention who. But I saw someone at Henzo's the other day go in the showers in bare feet. I shower in my showers at home in bare feet because I'm pretty I clean, sure at Henzo's doesn't everyone go in bare feet. Do they have the sandal rule now? Yeah, they got a sandal rule. It's very, it's quite strict now. I don't think anyone. Have, do you normally go bare feet at, at, at Henzo's? I mean, when I was going before animal. the sandal rules, like everyone went bare feet. There was no sandals at all. There was like it was like you had to go bare feet. There's no fucking flip flops. That's like jumping into a bunch of needles and, and being shocked when yeah. you come back with a yeah. fucking. HIV, yeah. Jesus, uh, they've improved the hygiene there a little. Yeah, I yeah, because it was better. it was a problem. For, it was definitely a problem yeah. for a while. Pink um, eye outbreak. Pink eye stuff. You know, you name it. Yeah. Um, there's just so many guys there. I think they all want to train and they all want to. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's, a, it's an atmosphere where there's a lot of professionals, uh, like jujitsu professionals. So yeah. Things like uh, a ringworm and stuff like that. You know, people don't care about it. Like, not not that they don't care about it, but. You know, if you got a major competition coming up, you got ringworm. You're not going to not train. You're going to still train. You know, it's kind of like this is not advice that I'm it's more saying a, for my white and blue belts to do. Yeah, back this, it's at home. more of like a mitigating atmosphere than a prevent. It, uh, not prevent. You know what I mean? It's not like like it's Sarah is a like a blue belt, white belt, or anyone has ringworm. You can't fucking train. Yeah. But, you know, in that environment, you got Nicky Rod getting ready for ADCC. He's got contagious pink eye. Like the guy's going to train. Board. And everyone else is a casualty he is a fucking specimen monster monster I felt like a little baby girl standing next to him uh, I didn't actually train with him and, you know because it's funny people you go home and people are like did you train this guy did you train this guy what a, you know everyone wants to everyone wants yeah, to know yeah. like how did you know it's kind of like that barrier test like yeah. how did you go I, I know how I go against you so what do you go against him it's the ego check thing, it's like you know, yeah, yeah. and you know what I stay away from the big guys I, like the guys that are like what, what's the point in Nicky Rod's two He's 120 kilos of solid yeah. muscle. He moves fast. He's a wrestler. You know, I don't need to. I don't need to train with Nikki to kind of test myself. You know, I want to train with Oliver Tarza, Jason. Yeah, I want to train with the guys you train that with are the like guys your weight. You my know, my your Gary size, Tonin. Yeah. And I, I've done. Um, I got to do a few rounds this time with Gordon. 
And uh, I mean, he's absolutely massive, but he's Huge. like, the problem is not only is he, you know how a lot of time you go with a big guy and anything they do, you'll kind of be like, look, he probably got that more because of his size than his nah, skill. he's so deliberate. You know, every, every single thing was like, it, it was, it was, um, you know, I think you're definitely one of the best in the world. Uh, what is it? Sorry? Chai tea latte. Chai tea latte. No, thanks, mate. I'm fine. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. I'll have a water. Is she offering water? <laughs> do they do that? No. It's not table service. <laughs> no, it's not table service. Okay. <laughs> All right. She's like, what? <laughs> um, yeah, he's... I mean, I'm not telling you something you don't know. All that he, he was phenomenal. Phenomenal, um, yeah. It was nice to get the tick of approval to get the train with yeah, him because yeah. I know he doesn't doesn't just go... Oh, of course. He probably thought, I'm just going to um, have a lazy round here with this uh, rubbish black belt from Australia. But... Um, yeah, he was actually he was actually fun to roll with. I actually enjoyed my round with Gary. I told you yesterday. Yeah, Ga- he's, he's Gary's, a fun roller, yeah. Gary moves a lot. Um, you know, he's the most exciting grappler. In, yeah, in, he in is. And most exciting grappler. Yeah, yeah for sure. He, he's phenomenal. Um, but this is, look, the whole trip's been fantastic, and uh, I can't thank you enough. We should wrap up because I think you got to teach class. Yeah, tonight. What teach time? Class. What time's class? Six o'clock. Class. Sorry, class. class. So we got a six o'clock class. What is the time? It's 5:15. Uh, 5:15. So we're to teach class. Class. Tonight, we'd say class. Class. Like like class. Class. Australia. It's pretty good. It's okay. It's not great. Cover a lot, eh? Yeah. My British accent is quite a bit better than my Australian. Americans don't understand accents. Generally. We don't, know. I watched a show the other day, and they were trying to play this girl off as being Dutch, and she clearly had a South African accent. And I'm like... Do the South Americans think this is... Can you do a South African? Or a South Af- African... No, Africa. I, can't, I can't do it. But Africa. It's a, it's a funny one. It's kind of like a mixture between Kiwi and Australian and British. It's like this odd... They're Afri- rather ethnic, ethnic country, right? Uh, Africa? Yeah. South Africa? Yeah, it's a place you don't want to go to from what I hear. It's a dangerous place. I'd give no seminars in South Africa. No seminars. Are you going to come to Australia? Are you going to promise to all the people on the podcast you're going to come to Australia this year? I promise. I'm oh, gonna okay. We've got it. We've got Australia. it. We've got it on video, and we've it's got official. it on audio. Contractual audio. Okay. obligation. That's it. Yeah, it's done. We'll bring you out later in the year. Definitely. Um, thanks so much for talking to us of today. Course. Thanks we'll go for get having some me. training in. Um, I know you hate social media, but how are people going to follow you if they if they <laughs> do you even have it? Is it on private? Like people probably. I think it's on private. It's, it's, it's J Rao BJJ. If you're lucky enough for him to accept you, you can. Uh, there's, yeah. a, there's a quite an extensive uh, vetting process, a, process. That, to be able to follow me. Yeah. Involves a phone interview mm-hmm. and an application via email. Yes. But if you if you do want to apply, it's JRAL BJJ89. Beautiful. You're the man, Jay. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks sir. for having me, man. Thanks, mate.